Welcome back to the movies. I'm your host, Daniel Berrios, and today, recommended by one of my dearest friends in the world, Mr. Liam Gawhan. You can find him on Twitter at the Liam Gawhan. We're talking about the audacious, insane. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure this wasn't a fever dream. Southland Tales. I'm going to tell you the story of the journey down the road not taken. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Searching your role? Yes. It takes place in the near future. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. You're gonna have to wear a bulletproof vest. Let's talk about your phone. What's it really about? so scared, Mr. Santeros. The future is just like you imagine. Someone must be hiding it. It's like the nervous breakdown of the century. Nothing that a killer, a porn star, and a tattoo parlor can't handle. <laughs> violence in the world if everyone just got a little more cardio. Southland Tales is directed by Richard Kelly, who's best known for uh, Donnie Darko. This is actually his second movie after Donnie Darko. And the cast is just nuts. I mean, you got uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Wallace Shawn, Sean William Scott, John Lovitz, Mandy Moore, Chandler Akat, Amy Poehler, Miranda Richardson, uh, Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist, uh, Kevin Smith, Justin Timberlake. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yes, I'm right. Okay, there is a cameo from Eli Roth in this thing and how do I describe this thing um it takes place in a 2008 in the far away future of 2008 
after a nuclear attack on Texas has made the country go absolute eight shit. It kind of experienced its 9-11 nightmare, basically, on the grander scale. Anything that anyone was saying, like a fear-mongering attack, like a fear-mongering stance after 9-11, it kind of happened. Uh, Abilene, Texas got blown up by nuclear warfare. It legitimately looks like the opening parts of Fallout 4. But everything blows up and the first like couple 10 minutes is kind of the montage that you'd expect uh the country gets a lot more conservative because people are scared and so they expand some notions of like the patriot act and there's a lot of uh more military involvement in the government the republicans kind of sweep the congress and they start developing this sort of branch of the U.S. government. It's called U.S. Ident. That's a little bit of like... It, it's bizarre. Uh, it, it's kind of like... Uh, you remember in The Dark Knight when Morgan Freeman had the opportunity to basically like spy on everybody in Gotham? That's kind of what's going on here. Uh, there's cameras everywhere and the government has everybody listening to every conversation at once it's like the nsa on steroids because on top of the nsa being there they can be like all right send the squad in to take them out immediately it's almost like a five second response team like they will crawl in your ass with expediency and efficiency if possible and so this uh in the midst of all this uh, Dwayne Johnson plays a actor named Boxer Santeros, whom is uh, married to the daughter of a prominent senator who's running for president of the United States. Like 2008, instead of Obama and God, Romney? Was it Romney or McCain in 2008? Oh my God, it's been so long. Uh, I will look this up instead of these we've got like clinton and uh yeah this is gonna bother me how long has it been versus mccain it's mccain right okay yes okay got it got it got it never mind it has been a very long time wow obama versus mccain seems like such a long time ago i mean i know it's almost like a full 20 years now but Oh my god, it's gonna be 20 years. I am old. Anyway, uh, 2008 presidential election, you've got the Senator Frost, and his daughter is married to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But the guy gets amnesia from somewhere. Like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson doesn't know who he is. Ends up hooking up with Sarah Michelle Geller, who's this reality tv star porn star author actress um recording artist who is really into like the revolution uh in this highly conservative landscape there's this fashion uh there's this uh facet or like this small portion of the society who are neo-marxists they're kind of seen as the antifa at the time and uh I think Sarah Michelle Geller is working with those people to kind of like overthrow the government and be like uh, 
live in like a better world basically and while this is happening there's also a officer and look there's also an officer named ronald tavener played by sean william scott and he's looking for his brother who's a twin brother and this is all being narrated by justin timberlake who's playing pilot abilene who's like this if you've seen if you've played borderlands he's kind of like the mordecai of it just this guy sitting on top of the roof somewhere like he's always on a fucking roof like next to a big ass gun and it's almost like he's sniping but he can see the rest of the world and he's narrating the events of what's going on and he's the soldier that was overseas and he has this big old scar over his face and it if it sounds very difficult for me to explain you're right because this movie is everything it's a political satire it's a dark comedy it's goofy as fuck it's full of sci-fi i mean there's a lot of sci-fi that kind of creeps in and actually makes the movie make more sense uh it parts of it kind of feels like a saints row movie because it's kind of steeped in that uh in that culture of the time like there's very much gta energy to this there's uh fast and the furious that kind of like golden hour iconography that's going on uh it is so 2005 too i mean the digital work here like whenever uh, they're trying to show how the government is able to like really get in someone's ass it's perfectly styled for that time i can't really describe it it just looks like i'm watching reality tv on multiple screens and that's part of that chaos too you know this usi dent they've got like six monitors it's almost that point in like scary movie three where you've got like a hundred monitors that's making fun of the matrix but uh on one screen there's going to be reality tv where they're talking about teen horniness on sarah michelle geller's program and on the other one is going to be like this bad uh that like strong bad type flash animation cartoon about somebody who doesn't like the government and on the one hand you've got the news which is just like the presidential election that's going on and then you've got like this fox news analog with the ticker uh that little like scrolling ticker at the bottom and just the absurdity that's going on there and all of this stuff is sort of bombarded at you and uh it looks like many facets of the government are sponsored by like hustler and bud light and it's this weird like spike tvification of our country that it's just looking at 9-11 and kind of like where we could have gone had things had gotten much 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 worse that like uber patriotism and the conservatism kind of cranked up to like such a ridiculous arguably even more than now unhealthy degree that it is just it just makes no fucking sense in the slightest but yeah you've got like all this sci-fi stuff and then there's like some spiritual shit and there's justin timberlake who's at one point there's an amazing musical number which I won't dare spoil for you because I got like a whiff of it beforehand from Liam whom like there's a 
let, let, let's straight up say this. This does not have a good IMDb score. This is not, uh, <laughs> this is not received really that kindly. There's an infamous can cut. They went to the Cannes Film Festival when the movie wasn't quite ready. It was 20 minutes longer. They hadn't edited everything properly. And it was more of like a goofy kind of tone. It was a sillier tone from what I read on IndieWire. But uh, people thought it was a bust and it was a bomb and people didn't like it then. And there's uh, this, not necessarily a tabloid, but it was somebody that said like, oh, Southland Tales is a bomb, like it's a bust. And just, it was, it's a weird, 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 weird movie. It's got so many characters. And it's not just focusing on Dwayne Johnson or Sean William Scott. Like the people on the poster are not the people that are always on screen all the time. They've got a bunch of motherfuckers and side tangents and this movie makes no bones. It literally opens with chapter four because Richard Kelly had this idea of like making comic books for the first three chapters of the story and having this be like a transmedia project. So we're literally opening in the middle, like fucking Star Wars. We see chapters four, five, and six in the movie. So there's a portion of this, excuse me. There's a portion of this that seems like I'm missing a big chunk of stuff. And the comic books, because this movie has earned this sort of cult following, this cult classic status now, the books are like online at like 140 bucks for all three of the comic books. Like it's absolutely insane. But now uh, you can find the can cut in this Blu-ray from Arrow. And this movie's already two hours and 20 something minutes. And the can cut is like two hours and 40. It is <laughs> Avengers Endgame level length. And it's not like all of this makes any damn sense to begin with, but I'm a big fan of vibes and I'm a big fan of just kind of like letting the movie kind of wash over me. And I think there's a lot to say about like dual identities with the characters. Dwayne Johnson it's probably one of his best performances. If you've grown tired of Dwayne Johnson's stick, shtick, where it's just like, oh, I'm Dwayne Johnson and I'm in a movie just with different names, this guy is way more nervous. He's not. This is way before uh, The Rock got so jacked that it was inhuman. He's got hair. Uh, watching him play this sort of like neurotic, obsessed filmmaker who's like holding a camera and basically crafting his screenplay as he's interviewing people. Um, he's got this nervous tick where he like clacks his fingers together and he's so committed to it. And it's just fascinating to watch him go into the this weirdo side of uh, The Rock. Maybe if you're thinking of something to compare it to, it's more like his performance in Jumanji where he's letting himself be like a teenage boy but in this one, there's this mix between the actor who doesn't know who he is, Boxer Santeros, and the character which he's making up in his screenplay called Jericho Kane. And so you're seeing him kind of balance between both sides of this character because he's never quite sure what to cling on to. 
and watching that shift back and forth is endlessly entertaining. Uh, I mean, it's kind of just one of those movies that's just everything is happening all at once. There is never really like a moment where you kind of get to breathe and really kind of piece everything together. Maybe near the end, it makes a little bit more sense because there's... Oh, I forgot to mention that, like, Wallace Shawn is, like, this super genius that has found a way. Because uh, the war eventually got us fighting in the Middle East and it made gas prices, like, insanely high because, you know, we're fighting the people in the Middle East who are producing the oil. Uh, They had to look at alternative energy, and Wallace Shawn is the leader of that alternative energy, which is basically what I can only describe as you put a generator in the ocean and you activate it be using like a car remote like a car alarm and he's a genius with that but then there's also there's some like big plot regarding the the development of that alternative fuel that can be used overseas for soldiers and it's just like literally all these dystopian it feels like an entire season of black mirror just condensed and you cut half of the condensed part out and you shove it in there and there you go that's an image of what it's like it south and tales to me very much feels like just the brunt of chaos that built out of the time whether it's dealing with you know the repercussions of the wars in afghanistan and iraq and the w administration and this insane rise of conservatism at the time and the popularity of reality TV and trying to sculpt one's image and present yourself, your identity, the average per the quote unquote average person as the brand, so to speak. It's not enough that you have something that's cool, like you made a TV show and then you started marketing everything. No, the TV show is you. It's like sort of the Kardashianification of a celebrity where it's just like, I am this person, this is my brand, and I'm gonna fucking sell the shit out of it to you this this is me motherfucker uh it's i don't know there's a lot there is a lot to go through and i this is one of those movies where reading into the history of it is fascinating because they went through so many iterations uh like apparently the first draft of this according to the history that's on indiewire it was supposed to be more like uh, comedic more about the actors and pulling this con on another actor and then after 9-11 because this script had been worked on that long like Richard Kelly came in and just added all this extra like absurd wild genre shit to it and still kept the core of it the same and uh, just looking into that uh, what was it people described this as uh, Richard Kelly's version of Brazil, which makes way more sense now that I've watched the movie than ever before. Uh, just this guy's political satire, but going for broken genre so it doesn't completely uh, alienate people. And it's just, it's kind of like watching Michael Bay's Ambulance where a filmmaker has just found their voice and found their style and really went for it. Something that Liam said that really stuck with me when we were talking about like why he loved this thing was that 
you know, you make a movie like Donnie Darko, which is sort of like a splashy indie hit, and nowadays you'll get drafted to do a superhero flick for like 15 times the budget that you had for the original, or like some genre thing. Like you could do this weird indie movie and they get Jurassic World as your next picture, because that's how the studios are working nowadays, unless you're Blumhouse. And in this case, Richard Kelly made Donnie Darko, and then a studio just said, all right, well, here you go. What do you want to do next? And he went into this insane, mythic, transmedia, transgenre story about the world that he saw post 9-11. And as weird as it is, and as fun as it is, and sometimes as like you have to rewind the movie to figure out did i just miss something or is this just the way it's fucking edited no that's the way it's fucking edited it very much feels like a josh trank capone kind of swing and i love those they're big swings they don't always work and there are parts of this movie that really didn't work for me there's a lot of exposition Excuse me again, it's early in the morning. But a lot of exposition that doesn't necessarily work in my mind. Uh, sometimes the chaos can make it to where just like my brain checks out because I really don't have any more like stuff to put in. Sometimes you have to like pause it and think about, okay, like does this scene match up with this scene that matches up with this? And at the end I found that it ended up all working because I'm looking at it. Uh, developments happen that make a little bit more sense if you put it in the the sci-fi genre but yeah if you're a fan of stuff like black mirror or saints row i think you'll find something to enjoy in this there's just um it's it's always interesting even if it gets a little weird to the point where your brain can't really process it the fact that something like this exists I'm so happy it does. You know, in, in the form that it does. And people that are committed to just doing the movie as is. Not all the jokes land. But, like, when you're getting different performances from people like The Rock or Justin Timberlake, who gets really fucking weird with his segment of the movie. He's not in it for long, but he's great. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is always a committed comedian, and uh, do she's arguably doing better than people like Mandy Moore. Well, not like Mandy Moore. I'm saying like uh, Amy Poehler, who's in this thing. She's doing better than her in my mind. <laughs> I don't know. It just there's a lot, and you can watch it on your own, and just let the whole thing wash over you. And it's just this beautiful mishmash of everything. If you're into the aesthetic of this, that 2005 reality TV, if you like exploring sci-fi and satire through genre, if you're interested in exploring political satire through genre, Southland Tales is going to be a bonkers, awesome little ride. And the last, like, 30 minutes of this thing is just a lot. And it's beautiful. It's almost uh, inconceivable. 
But anyway, thank you to Liam. This is probably going to be the most rambly podcast of all time because of the type of movie that I'm in. But hey, what the hell. Uh, thank you so much, Liam, for introducing me to this thing. I'm part of the Southland Hive. And yeah, if you want to recommend something to me, as observed, I will review damn near anything. So if you want to talk to me about a movie that you think I should talk about on the podcast... Hit me up on Twitter at themovies underscore pod. And until next time, my friends, y'all take care.